Welcome to podcast episode number 37, Park Police. I'm your host, Alpha Mike. What are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to talk about the Park Police, a part of the National Park Service. And do we really need it in today's society? Is it going to decrease or increase or stay the same on the next L Police Radio? Episode 37. We're moving along, folks, on the charts. We're building our library, as we've always said we would. And today we're going to talk about the park police. So before we get into that, you know, we got to build things up here. We're going to start doing a new segment on El Police Radio on a Twitter account, as well as our a Facebook account. And that's going to be called a Music Monday. Music Monday. And uh, the reason I'm bringing that segment into the fold, uh, doing a little bit of research on Cuban music, actually, um, music really moves the soul. And it transcends so many things, uh, politics, uh, rude behavior, um, people that just hate life. And music has the ability of transcending all that. So we thought that it would be great to add that as an addition to our libraries on Facebook and Twitter on both our L Police Radio accounts called a segment called Music Monday. And every Monday, we're going to talk a little bit about music. I'm going to play one song for you so you can really kind of think about that and kind of how that sink in, sink in as you progress towards your week. We're, we are moving along. The library is moving along very well. We're up to uh, <clears throat> podcast 37. And somebody asked me the other day, are we running out of subjects? Are you kidding? Are you kidding? We can come up with everything. I was... Uh, Early on in my career, I was told by one of the uh, union representatives who were discussing a certain issue that we were thinking about filing a grievance and and through the, uh, the the union, the procedure. And I didn't really think that the issue merited that level of importance. 
And the union representative told me, kid, listen, you can grieve a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And he was right. Good old Ron was right. It was a grievance, and within the officer's mess, the department was held accountable, which I believe to this day they still are, to have peanut butter and and bread on the OM site in case officers can't eat. They can at least get a peanut butter sandwich. And that's part of the, a union condition. So he was right. You can argue anything, including a peanut butter sandwich. Mm-mm. But we're moving along with our contact. Today we're going to be looking at Park Police. And we're going to be looking at its importance. You know, it, it's one of the oldest law enforcement agencies in America. It's up there with the top 10. And one has to think now, is it relevant in today's society? Should, should it be replaced by something else? Or should it grow? Or is it just fine the way it is? So we're going to take a little dive into that. Of course, we just recently celebrated two law enforcement weeks, uh, Correctional Officer Week, and uh, that we know that was proclaimed by President Ronald Wilson Reagan, and Police Week, which was um, proclaimed by President John F. Kennedy in 1963. And we're happy enough that we can have not necessarily celebrations, but recognition, I think, is a better term for both professions within the law enforcement field, underappreciated. But I really cannot say underpaid. It was underpaid at one time. It might still be underpaid in certain regions. I understand that. But a lot of the agencies around the country are being paid very comfortable salary with very comfortable benefits with um, very comfortable retirement packages. So we have to always look at that. We are blessed beyond imagination in having those things. And uh, corporate America, uh, you have to work a little harder um, to get those benefit packages, but there's no profession like that of law enforcement. It's the profession that doesn't run against evil. It runs towards it to defeat it. It has to become on an everyday valor, courageous, and have a mindset within seconds to make split-second decisions. It can never be wrong. It always has to be right. And then it's always in the catch-22. That's the profession that I chose, that I've retired from, and now that I can broadcast about in uh, this little humble uh, podcast that we have in El Police Radio. We are going to dive in, of course, like we always do into the El Police Radio segment, news segments, a countdown. We have three, as always. We always come up with three. We're not going to go beyond that. We're not going to go under that. We're going to stay there at three. So without any further ado, let's break out the newspaper and start on the El Police Radio countdown News countdown. I forgot my own saying. Hmm. 
one. Our first news article takes us to New York City and the NYPD, where the headline is, Review of NYPD Policy Leads to Reform. A retired judge tasked with reviewing NYPD policy in the wake of a federal stop-and-frisk lawsuit has laid out a series of policy reforms in a sweeping report. Now, the article goes on, and I don't want to bore you with the details, but the New York City Police Department was uh, sued by various groups on stop and frisk. Stop and frisk is police officer feels that you might be in possession of a weapon. They can kind of like stop you, put your hands up, uh, you know, up against the car here or up against the wall, and they kind of pat you down, and they're looking for a weapon. And they've done the stop and frisk for many years, but... Uh, recently, a federal judge said that it was unconstitutional, and they've also ordered in part of this lawsuit that the NYPD's uh, policies be reviewed, and this article is basically talking about that the judge sitting on this case has appointed another judge to review the policy, and they came out with a list of uh, reports and recommendations I like how they say recommendations. So if you don't do it, it's like, are you going to go away? No. So it's not a recommendation. But anyway, they come up with a list of recommendations. And some of them are hot sheets that they want to identify the officers that are getting into trouble. They want to ban kind of like a, a local ordinance that's on the books since 1976 called Section 50 that disciplinary actions against uh, police officers are kept secret and the public really has no access to them. And according to this reform, they want to go ahead and publicize some of these things. Now, what I can't say, what I can't tell you about this is the following. One, there's no doubt in my mind that this is part of the neutralizing of police work in America. And there is a segment of government and politicalism that wants to neutralize police work and they're doing it one case at a time. The importance to some of this case is that some of the laws or some of the policies that have been enacting are very old and they were really done in the face of corruption. When the article refers to Section 50 in 1976, it's talking about right after the big scandal of the New York City uh, corruption case in Serpico and so forth. And they came out with certain policies and laws to protect the New York City Police Department because the corruption prior to that was so outrageous they didn't want to alarm the public. So you kind of wonder, well, why is it there? And I know there's probably people that are listening to the show say, well, that's not the reason it's there. It's there for other reasons, too. They don't want to dig into an officer's past and so forth. I got that. I, I got that. I know that many other agencies do the same thing. But it's about being open to the public. And when you say you're open, when you want to have coffee with the public, 
when you want to play basketball for 30 seconds with the public, but then you don't do things that are a little bit more open to the public, these are the things that are kind of shoved down your throat. They're shoved down your throat. Don't mix this up now. Not for a good reason, but for a bad reason. And if we're all supportive of law enforcement, we should be concerned with some of these so-called reforms. Where are they going? All right. Article number uh, two. Two. All right. Article number two takes us to the great state of New Jersey. School official apologizes for calling cop a skinhead. South Orange, New Jersey, a New Jersey school board member who was caught on camera cursing at police officers and calling the chief a skinhead cop is apologizing for the behavior, saying that it was an irrational response. South Orange Maplewood School Board member Stephanie Lawson Mohammed came can be heard using profanity, potty mouth, when being issued a ticket by a South Orange officer in dash cam video on April 27th, traffic stop. Although the driver identified herself as Lawson Mohammed, she cannot be seen. seen. Lawson Mohammed, who is black, can be heard telling the white police officer that she's scared of cops because the guy hurt black people. <clears throat> and uh, she basically apologized. That's the end of the story. But, uh, yeah, well, what can I tell you? The root of hate is deep within people's hearts. And sometimes it's so deep that it's confused with being scared. It's not being scared, it's about being rude. Okay? It's about being rude. You're shown manners at home. Act like it. You're cursing up a storm because you feel you're empowered to do so. You can have a traffic stop and have an interaction with a police officer in a respectful and intelligent manner. If you feel you were wrong, well, there's ways to get around it that you can file a complaint, internal affairs, go to court. Wouldn't that be some great concept ideas there? for you to get your day in court. But uh, when you start grabbing your crotch and screaming and cursing, I don't know. I don't care who you are. You've lost a fight. All right, number three. Three. All right, and story number three takes us to the Trump administration. And, of course, if uh, you look at the media nowadays, you know that the Trump administration is an evil empire. Sure it is. Trump administration reverses prison policy protecting transgender inmates. Transgender, get my right after the uh, the news segment, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what's going on with my voice here. Women will not be housed in female prison only in rare cases. The Trump administration announced Friday in a major a major reversal of federal policy. When the president tells you you're going left, not right anymore, or tells you you're going right, not left, that's not a major change. That That is the change. Since 2016, the U.S. Bureau of Prisons has required federal inmates and gender identity to be given serious consideration in housing decisions. Now, transgender prisoners 
will be asked to meet several new standards before they can be considered for transfer to the new unit. The, the change came after female inmates in Texas sued the administration over uh, sued the administration to overturn an LGBT prisoner protection establishment under President Barack Obama. It is clear whether the policy change will affect the nearly 500 500 500 trans men and women trans. You like that light? A nice little term they got for you in the media, trans. Currently incarcerated in federal prison. And it goes on about uh, this. Let, listen, let's cut to the chase here. She's got a lot of things to cover. This is BS. And if you have been around the block a few times, you know that this is a huge, huge a burden on the jails and prison systems in America. <laughs> you know, this is <clears throat> an equivalent of saying, I feel like a man today, but I'm really a woman. I'm a woman. I'm a man. I don't want to go to the men's bathroom. I'm going to go to a woman's bathroom. Because if not, I'll go to the men's bathroom. Well, this is what this is. It's uh, pick and choose where you want to go within the secure prison or jail facility. It's a bunch of baloney. It's too much catering. Huh? It's catering with a high, high price tag. Because out of the 500 trans, the trans, um, you have to give them medication, keep them up to, to date on their medical procedures, and it comes at a huge, Oops. huge price. And part of that price is the mentally ill are not going to be able to get what they really desperately need because we're fooling around with this crap. And uh, I know that there's people out there say it's very insensitive, and I, I, I don't know, he's so disgusting, I don't know how I even listen to him any longer. This is my opinion, and this isn't my first rodeo doing this. There's a time and a place for things. Not only do I think it's morally wrong, spiritually wrong, I also believe that it's putting a burden on taxpayers, prison systems, and jails unnecessarily. Okay, it's 2018. What did we do prior to that when these individuals were being incarcerated? That's it. Enough said. All right, before we cut to the next segment, <clears throat> my voice is a little uh, hoarse. Um, I have to have a, a surgical procedure, blah, 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 blah. It's nothing major. Um, but uh, inside my mouth... Is there, they're going to have to cut a piece of bone, which is kind of like protruding underneath my lower mouth extremity. And uh, I've got, I got one side cut about uh, 15 years ago, maybe, maybe a little bit longer. And uh, when they were going to cut the other one, they go, oh, no, that's, you know, it's not, it's no big deal. I, I mean, we don't see, and now... Uh, a quick trip to the dentist is, fire alarm, fire alarm. And now all of a sudden, 15 years later, this one's an emergency. Oh, it's not really an emergency. Okay, don't get, don't get crazy on me. Okay. Um, but it's, you got to kind of receive a bunch of injections and all this other stuff. And they rip away at the gum and take the saw and they cut off the bone. And uh, Okay. 
Well, let's move right along. Let's, uh, let's go into our show. Where's, where's the bugler? Hello? Hello? I know you're out there. Okay. I think he's in the bathroom after he heard the story about the uh, cutting of the, of the bone and all that. All right, let's go. Now the rumors start. Alpha Mike has to have surgery. He's got several weeks to live. You'll watch. People get crazy with that type of stuff. Park Police, episode number 37. It is one of the oldest law enforcement agencies in America. Of course, it's under federal jurisdiction. And the question is, do we really, really need a park police? But to give you a little bit of history on it, the United States Park Police or its acronym, USPP, is one of the oldest uniform federal law agencies in the United States. Its function as a full-service law enforcement agency with responsibilities and jurisdiction in those national park services, area primary located in Washington, D.C., San Francisco, and New York City, areas and certain other governmental lands. Certain others. Sounds mysterious. The United States Park Police is one of the few full-service police departments and federal government that possesses both state and federal authority. I guess depending where the park's at, they, they have both um, federal authority and, uh, and state authority. In addition to performing the normal crime prevention, investigating and apprehension functions of the urban park police force, the park police are responsible for policing many of the famous monuments in the United States. The USPP shares law enforcement jurisdiction in all lands administered by the National Park Service with a force of National Park Service rangers tasked with the same law enforcement powers and responsibilities. The agency also provides protection for the President, Secretary of Interior, and visiting dignitaries. The Park Police is a unit of the National Park Service which is a bureau of the Department of Interior. It was formed in 1919. Like I said, it's it's one of the oldest, not the oldest. It's up there. It's uh, definitely on the top ten list. And their organization is structured around national parks and national monuments. And we we just heard where mostly of them are, most where, where they are, Washington, D.C., San Francisco, New York City, and other federal lands, wherever that is. And I could see the kind of need in 1919 to build a force to protect a monument, uh, especially ones that can easily be defamed. Now, this agency, of course, comes with a tremendous tax burden, I want to say. And, um, and I'm not saying that it cannot function with huge amounts of money, but it does a variety of things. As we read, investigation, patrol, and apprehension. I don't know about the apprehension part, but... I'm sure through some national parks, there's some criminal behavior that they would have to, of course, engage in. But uh, 
Recruitment for the agency started in 1791 uh, by George Washington to protect federal property only in the District of Columbia. Of course, uh, the United States was a lot smaller back then in George Washington's time, but he saw the need to protect some of these federal properties. So the recruitment, it wasn't the establishment, but the recruitment started in 1791. Uh, the duties uh, were given to the Metropolitan Police Department in Washington in 1882. So as you can see, that, that process took a pretty long time before uh, they finally figured out um, who they're going to give it to and how they're going to give it. Of course, since then, it's been removed from the Metropolitan Police in Washington, and uh, it's been organized since 1919 under the National Park Service and the National Police. Of course, they have a vast amount of land that they have to cover. This is one of those agencies that you're really not exposed to only if you're like on vacation. Does that sound right? I think it sounds right. So they have, of course, mounted police. They have formal police units, you know, within the police car and so forth. They have helicopters. They have off-road vehicles that they use as as well as horses, as I said. And the agency, by and large, um, has police, federal police powers and state police powers. But the federal police powers is probably what they're mostly going to use. I can only see segments of using state um, issues on um, very minor offenses. Uh, trespassing and that kind of things might come in a little bit better than federal. And uh, the federal statutes would be the heavy hitters if you want to goof off on on federal land and so forth. Uh, you must be 21. You can't be older than 37. I never understood that about the federal government. If you're 37, over 37, you can't be law enforcement officer. It's like if you're 30, are you, how old are you? 38, sorry, you, you can't keep up with the younger generation, can't be an officer. Never understood that. Uh, down here in uh, wonderful Florida, there is no age discrimination. If you're 90, you want to join the police department, as long as you can do all, everything else that they have to do in the academy, jump, run, shoot, defensive tactics, and all that other stuff, and pass all the required courses, grandpa or grandma at 90 years old would be on patrol. Simple as that. But uh, I don't know. For some reason, the federal government has this thing with this 37. It's a magic number. Who pulled that number? I got, we got to do a show on that one. The magic age, 37. Uh, it has a criminal investigation branch, which does major crimes, identification section, narcotics and vice, and environmental crimes. I could see the environmental narcotics. Well, you're talking about some federal land where what would be a good place to kind of plant marijuana and then say, I don't know, it doesn't belong to me, it's not mine. Maybe federal land, that could be. Identif identification section, you know, like criminal lab and all that. And they could share the FBI one, but they're too busy trying to figure out what hairspray 
the president uses, and major crimes. And there have been major crimes on uh, federal parks and by federal monuments. And I'm talking about murders and so forth, believe it or not. So it's good that uh, they do those things. Uh, I will post on lpoliceradio.com on the show notes their ranking system, which is chief of police, assistant chief, deputy chief, major, captain, lieutenant, sergeant. Now, um, <clears throat> they have upside-down sergeant stripes. Okay, and a private investigator, which I guess that means you're an investigator or a detective. It wouldn't be private because you work for the public, but it's just private. So anyway, I don't know what that means. That must be something similar to the 37, age 37 thing. Uh, it's an agency that is subject to the federal budget, and that in itself... Um, has a lot of worry for a lot of people. Uh, it has it's broken up into districts, of course. Um, it has, depending in the region that you're at, districts uh, one, two, three, four, five, all the way to ten, no nine, district nine, and it gives you different locations. We're going to be posting this on our police radio. Uh, it has a SWAT team, believe it or not. And uh, which was formulated under George W. Bush in 05. Of course, a lot of the things that they're getting, all the goodies they're getting is after the attacks on 9-11. Uh, it has a motor unit, so they can buzz around on Harley-Davidson's. And uh, that's been in effect since 1917. They've been driving around in motorcycles. It has a canine unit, which I could see the, the reason for canine. Horse-mounted patrol which always looks good for the tourists. You can take pictures, and they can stop out bad guys and chase them down with the horse. Hey, communication sections, of course, you got to communicate. Aviation, which should be a, a large segment of what this agency brings to the fold on um, dealing with federal land and so forth, and a lot of the, the transportation issues. So it should have a pretty big uh, aviation section on, uh, in dealing with that. Um, and that, that aspect of law enforcement. As a Marine unit, of course, you know, look at issues like the Statue of Liberty, which is uh, federally protected and so forth. You would need a Marine unit <clears throat> and traffic safety unit. Okay, now we're stretching a little bit too much, but that's around the area of uh, Washington, D.C., so we can give out some tickets so we can offset some of the, the cost here. And the special special force branch is responsible for coordinating many large, high-profile events that occur in National Park Service. So it's a full-fledged agency. I mean, it's got the bells and whistles. It's got the nice uniforms. It's got the fancy equipment. It basically, you're looking at something that is probably in the range of, eh, I would say, uh, a gazillion dollars to run. Now, if you listen to El Police Radio, you know that a gazillion dollars means that's a lot. It's unreachable amount. But it would run uh, probably a lot larger than the 
regular law enforcement agencies. So the question is, could the local law enforcement agencies where these monuments are being kept enforce and protect those monuments in that land and the federal government con contributing to um, those agencies financially to keep those officers primarily on that public land or that monument area and not, you know, patrolling different areas and so forth. Or do what we have is good enough and we should leave things alone. When I first started this segment, you know, we kicked around, kicked the can down the road, back and forth, back and forth. Listen, we're in an era of, if I were to, uh, let's backtrack a second. If I was going to answer that question several years ago, prior to 9-11, I would say local law enforcement. And I would have been wrong because 9-11 would have came. But I believe in today's society, no, it's not. You need the federal statutes to really uh, have some kick into the enforcement aspect. And you cannot depend on local or state law enforcement budget issues to be nipping away at the, uh, the federal governments. And anyway, I, with the federal government, you will always be overloaded with employees. You can count on that. Uh, a specific duty station might require five officers. Well, they got 25. Don't worry, we got plenty in case somebody calls in sick or something. That I can assure you, which is, uh, you know, nothing new, of course, with uh, the, the federal government. We spare no, no, no uh, expense. It also has an internal affairs unit, which is the police investigating the police. So it tells me that uh, they're up to par when it comes to that, which is very important um, in today's anti-police segment, you, they, they even have on their website, which we're going to post on helppoliceradio.com, if you want to commend an officer or complain, file a complaint. I don't know which one gets hit more. Something tells me it's complaint. Complaint hits more. Uh, it also has an intelligence branch. I could see that working uh, with uh, some of our more radical racist Visitors that might want to blow up our national monuments. So that's a good thing. So the question that we posed in the beginning, should the National Police or the Park Police, the United States Park Police, become a separate entity within the state and the regions that they're located in or state federal? And I'm kind of pushing towards state federal because if it were... Not that way. We would have to depend on many states, many jurisdictions to take care of something that might be very sacred for the majority of the country. So um, I'm for the let's keep it federal. Now, like I said, could we lower the amount of, um, not on the park police, just in federal government? Yeah, we should. We could. I know we can do it good. We can do a good, uh, a good budget, but uh, in the meantime, we're spending like crazy, so we don't have time for that. 
But uh, on the website, they have their strategic plan for 2017 all the way to 2021. And I'm not going to bore you with the details with that because most of what they post, they probably won't be able to achieve anyway. Um, but they do have a plan in place on how they're going to progress towards the year 2021. So that sounds good. At least uh, we know that they are uh, definitely looking at the future. And uh, that pretty much covers what we've been discussing on Park Police. I know you guys thought I was going to come out here and and uh, pull out an old souvenir from Theodore Roosevelt's age. Uh, but no, no. We just asked a question on Park Police. Should it, should it stay or remain federal, or could it dive into the federal government and become uh, what it is today? Maybe larger, maybe smaller, maybe somewhere in between. But it definitely, if it's going to stay on either side, it's going to need all the bells and whistles in today's uh, critical mindset on terrorism. So that's off to what's our next segment, kids? It's time to take out our pencils and our crayons. It's time to do the 09 training tip. On this training tip, I want to discuss something a little bit more towards the agency, not necessarily the officers or the line staff. Most importantly, the agencies have a huge responsibility when it comes to mandatory training. A lot of agencies will always teach, of course, what the state mandate is. All 50 states have different mandates, and they'll teach that. And then the agency will add some of their issues that they feel are so important in their given jurisdictions. But the question is not what's necessarily what they're giving the officers, which is dignified as being mandatory in nature every year, showing proficiency in it. It is important for liability issues. That's why the agency has placed that on the dais. The question is the review part process. Some agencies are just teaching the same thing year after year after year because of the fact that there is a liability from the agency. So they want to transfer that responsibility to the subordinate or the employee. So they do mandatory training sessions. The officers have to show proficiency, possibly pass an exam. The mandatory training session could be a day or 40 hours or longer, depending where you are in the country. And it certifies you for that one year of service. And a lot of the liability is off the agency and onto the officer. But it's so crucial that the officers if you receive the same information you received last year, well, boys and girls, it's time to raise your hand and tell your instructor and tell your supervisors. And we're going to tell you how you're going to tell them. You're going to tell them in 
three formats. One, by raising your hand and saying, hey, this is the same stuff I learned last year. What's the update? Is there an update? And if there's not, why am I just learning the same thing? Two, I'm going to do it in the form of the evaluation of the course. I'm going to state that I believe that the course that I learned is the same content as the one I received the year prior or several years prior and has not changed. Could there be updates? Of course there could be updates. And three, you're going to tell your supervisor, not only verbally, but in writing too. It could be electronic email correspondence or the old-time fashion memo. But regardless, you're going to verbally state it, you're going to put it on record. Why? Because it's important for the officer now to put that liability back on the agency. Just because I sat in a class doesn't mean that I'm totally responsible for everything here. No, the agency is also responsible for providing updated material. A lot of training sections, very lazy, lackadaisical, and put out the same, same routine year after year with very little effort because it's categorized as mandatory training. So therefore, no one's going to question it. But as a word to the wise, as an employee and a professional, you should question something that you think is turning a little stale. Now it's time to hop on the bike and let's talk and have that conversation. I want to take the opportunity and read this one. It comes out of Luke. And it's a little bit on the lengthy side, so please uh, be patient with me. Luke 7, starting at verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought a flask of fragrant oils and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oils. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor, two debitors, one owed 50 denarii and the other 500 denarii. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both, telling, tell me, therefore, which of these will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who forgave more or the one that owed the most. And he said to him, you have rightfully judged. He then turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. 
you gave me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did nothing. You, you did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same love little. He then said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who, for, who, who even forgives sin? Then he said to the women, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. It was a little bit on the lengthy side, but basically what the Lord is discussing here is two people owe money, 150 and 1500 but the creditor forgives them both. The one that owes the most is the one that loves him more. I don't have to come up with the 500, opposed to the guy that just had to come up with 50. Then Jesus uses the analogy of the sinful woman, and she's walked into his house, and she's full of sin, and he talks about all the great deeds that she has done. But the Pharisee believes that he is almost without sin. But Jesus says, if I forgive people of their sins, who would love me more? Well, obviously, it's the woman that has great need. What I want to get at in this specific conversation is, in your journey and looking for Christ and knowing that Jesus is everything, for your salvation. Be careful with those individuals and those ministries that have a ministry of appointing a finger, that they're constantly pointing and saying, if you continue doing what you're doing, you're going straight to, you're never going to be saved because of, and this and that. Look towards that ministry that has love because the person with greater sin once they're forgiven and they're accepted by Jesus and they accept themselves the Lord, their sin is, is forgiven even greater. Judging people and having a ministry of judgment will turn so many people from Christ. It's so important that if you are a believer to always have a ministry of love, the sweetness of the cross, not necessarily a ministry of nails to hammer them home with judgment. And that's been our conversation today. What's up next? Well, on lpoliceradio.com, we can always have a bunch of segments for you to see. And, of course, after 37 comes, boys and girls, that's right, number 38. And that's going to be Flint. Liberalism is a mental disorder. June 14th, 
oh, no, wait a minute. You know what? We've, we're changing some of the dates here because we're, we're, we're uploading on Wednesdays, not Thursdays. So I'll fix that in a minute. But anyway, this is the June lineup. Episode 38, Flint, Liberalism is a Mental Disorder. Episode 39, How to Apply and What to Expect. Episode uh, number 40, The Policy, which is important. We just read an article about policy. Uh, episode 41, Money is the Root of All Evil, Narco. And we're not talking about the the show on Netflix, but we are going to talk about n- narco. And, and that leads us into uh, July. So we got a lot lined up for June, and we want you to plug in with us. Listen, we know that your time is valuable. And for you to come on here and listen to a guy with a horsey voice talk and talk and talk for 40, 50, 60 minutes. I don't go beyond 60 minutes. Man, once in a while, you know, 62, 63. <laughs> Whoops. But it's a lot. And I appreciate that you take the time to listen. We build library content. We don't build an audience one show. You know, this is not the show. Okay, watch. Watch a million hits, folks. No, that's not the way it works. I'm building content, and we're putting it all together, and we're throwing everything out there. So some shows will be a little bit more exciting than the others, but you need to team up with us. And how do you can do it? You can go to our website, lpoliceradio.com, and you can sign up there. You can go to iTunes, Stitcher. You can look us up there. Hey, you can look us up on Twitter, L Police. Uh, what's our handle nowadays? Well, I'll put that all on the show notes. It's on the bottom of the show notes. And Facebook. But there's avenues to connect with us. We want you to connect with us. Tell us feedback, what you want to hear. Some of the um, feedback that we get online is, thank you, I didn't know that. Very encouraging. Keep up the good work. And, uh, you know, some people talk, some people walk around with aluminum foil on their heads. So I'm not even going to repeat what they write, but, you know, um, they are UFOs and planet Neptune. That's all I could say. <clears throat> so we we want you to stay encouraged, okay? It encourages us when somebody clicks on and says, I want to be a part of your team, when we get feedback. It encourages me. Sometimes I talk into a microphone in in, in a studio looking at a computer screen, and I'm wondering, does anybody is anybody listening? It's like if I'm talking to my granddaughter. And when you get those messages, when you get that feedback, when you see the encouragement that people can give you, it motivates you that much more. But listen, I am one patient individual, did 150 shows from 07 of 2014 on some quacky little uh, podcast we had back then, and we completed 150 shows and those shows, and we'll post that on the show notes, I'll bore you some more with that crap, um, those shows were corny. And I didn't even know what I was, I still don't even know what I'm doing. But anyway, I knew less then. And we had guests. People would come on, and we didn't, I'd interview them. Boring. It was basically them telling you how, how their brand was the best brand. There's no other brand that's better than theirs. 
So I didn't want to do that now. I wanted to talk. I wanted to speak. I want to shake things up a little bit. That's why we don't have guests here. We are. What are we going to do, folks? Here's a quiz. Here's a quiz. Now, our last show, our anniversary show, we're going to have a little quiz. A little quiz for the audience. We're going to talk about hot topics. What are hot topics? What are they? What the hell is he talking about? So if you're a regular listener, you know what I'm talking about. And we're also going to uh, discuss other things on other shows that we've discussed on our anniversary show. And then after that, we're going to bring in the committee, the segment, uh, the council, whatever you want to call it. And uh, we're going to introduce them into our, our episodes. Not all of them at the same time. Unfortunately, you can't get 15 people on here. Everybody talking at the same time. And uh, so you, we're going to get them one at a time, maybe two, three of them on one segment. So you get a couple multiple uh, views. They'll come on, give me their uh, ideas on a specific topic and maybe a couple of other ones, and then I'll go ahead and finish out the show. So I got to rest my voice a little bit more. So there you have it, folks. Connect with us, lpoliceradio.com. Thank you very much for always listening to us, for supporting, for keeping us in prayer. And for those special people out there that they're working their areas, their posts, they, they get to sneak in and listen here and a listen there. God bless you, and I always have you in eternal prayer. Believe I do. It's been my honor and my pleasure to be your host on El Police Radio, Alpha Mike, and I am out.